once again back once again back once again back once again back once again with a this is the Wisdom in All Things podcast. I'm Scott. It's really wisdom in all areas of your life, mind, body, and soul. That's what we hope to do, help you quickly understand and apply what that means. We've been going through a series, a special series here on Wisdom in All Things, regarding Benjamin Franklin's 13 virtues. And today we're talking about moderation. Benjamin says, avoid extremes as it relates to moderation. Forbear resenting injuries so much as you think they deserve. So what is he saying? It's, it's moderation in all things is what he's saying. If you were to read further about how this virtue played out in Franklin's life, you would find that it may have had more to do with moderating the expression of his opinion than the abuse of things like alcohol or gambling, which you typically would probably would think when you hear the word moderation. For Franklin, the application was transformative. Indeed, you could describe it as an early version of how to win friends and influence people, if you know the book. Benjamin says, this habit of being too positive or negative when sharing his opinion, I believe, he says, has been of great advantage to me when I have had occasion to inculcate my opinions and persuade men into measures that I have been from time to time engaged in promoting. And as the chief ends of conversation are to inform or to be informed, to please or to persuade, I wish well-meaning, sensible men would not lessen their power of doing good by a positive, assuming manner that seldom fails to disgust, tends to create opposition, and to defeat every one of those purposes for which speech was given, to wit, giving or receiving information or pleasure. It might seem impossible that you could describe achieving moderation in just one word, but I think Cameron Gunn may be onto something. When you think of someone who is moderate, it is certainly fair to describe them as being polite. And certainly, you would call Benjamin's urging as a call to be polite. Cameron says, I think that the core of Franklin's moderation boils down to a quality identified by Alan Houston, politeness. Houston notes that Franklin sought to emulate the sensible man who was moderate, cultivated, sociable, and self-disciplined. This man of sense was, in short, polite. Benjamin's efforts toward moderating the expression of his opinions aligns with how the dictionary defines moderation. It says the avoidance of excess or extremes, especially in one's behavior or political opinions. However, in this way, both Merriam-Webster and Franklin are in direct opposition to the mindset and behavior of exactly where our culture has been tracking for some time. Now, moderation is what you avoid while extremes are what you embrace, pursue, live for, as if to argue that moderation is an extreme to be avoided. More to the point is that moderation is to be applied broadly. That is, we are to moderate the expression of our opinions just as we moderate the consumption of ice cream, which is my challenge. So how do we live in moderation? Well, moderation is about choice. What we choose or not choose is key to avoiding unnecessary and undesirable consequences, obviously. So it is a proper understanding and balance of our wants and needs. First, where do we start? Well, it'd be the way through to moderation. So no surprise, it is living with intentionality, intending to live inside the edges, draw the lines on this side of the extremes, stay in bounds. It is why good golfers take such time and care to make the right shot. You don't want the ball to go out of bounds. But our lives shouldn't be lived by being overly aware or too deliberate about what not to do. Instead, decide what you should do, and you won't be unnecessarily distracted by the extremes. The golfer isn't just trying to not hit it into the pond 
or the bunker or the gallery, but is focused on where he wants the ball to go, not where he doesn't want it to go. So it is with living a life of moderation. When we focus on what we can't or shouldn't do, that is all we think about. Rather, after intentionally laying out appropriate and helpful boundaries, you'll be able to roam and frolic freely within. In this way, moderation is freeing. We are free from the burden of the pursuit and consequences of the edges or excess. Secondly, oh, be careful, little eyes, what we see. If we are what we eat, then we do as we see. This can either be a good thing or a potentially hazardous thing. When we're unsure of how to do something, we can look to others to see how it is done. But unfortunately, when we want to fit in, we can be too willing to do as others are doing. Given the power of what we view to persuade, it is crucial that we scrutinize what we allow ourselves to see, just as we should do with what we eat. The abstract, the factors affecting the life of moderation, bears out this point, in particular to living a life of moderation. It says, the sole negative driver of living a life in moderation was the exposure to advertising through media. Dun, dun, dun. We just need to watch out for what we allow in. Next, we want to monitor what stimulates us. If we chase what we feel, it will only lead to wanting more stimulation, which in turn can lead us quickly to extremes. Moderating how often, how much, and by what we are stimulated by can be both a barometer of and protector from the extremes we need to avoid. Brett McKay from The Art of Manliness says, Too much stimulation overloads our sensory circuits. It is thus essential to unplug and get away. The best thing to do is to periodically tear out into the outdoors, leave your phone and computer behind. So essentially, monitor and then maybe separate yourself for what is stirring up what maybe you shouldn't desire. Next, in, in living a life of moderation, delay your gratification. Planning, saving, and waiting. When we think through something, work towards it over time, and simply just deny ourselves the stunted pleasure that immediate gratification provides, we experience a greater depth of satisfaction. Putting off the payoff will optimize our experience with whatever it is we desire and allow us to have a proper and healthy relationship to it. Again, Brett McKay says, the more you hold out for something, the greater the pleasure you'll experience when you finally attain it. Have you ever noticed that the anticipation of a holiday can be just as good and sometimes better than the actual holiday itself? Hold out for things and enjoy the exquisite pleasure of anticipation. Next, we also want to thoroughly enjoy the few. Our pleasure or satisfaction is not in the many, but in the being thoroughly satisfied with the few. This might be the other side of the coin to monitoring our stimulation. Rather than seek more things, it'll be most gratifying to us if we are more meticulous about our enjoyment of what we currently have or are doing. There may be more juice left in the lemon, so to speak, that requires just another long squeeze rather than tossing it for another. Dr. Andy Garrett says, When we feel unhappy and bored, there are two ways to revive our feelings of enjoyment and pleasure. One is to seek new things and more stimulation. You can start going out more, buying more new things and experiences. But the pleasure you get from ratcheting up the intensity of these experiences will eventually end in a plateau. The alternative is to cultivate the virtue of moderation by seeking greater enjoyment and pleasure in things you are already doing. This, too, is the abundant life God has called us to. Abundant doesn't really sound moderate. Abundant life is in the width, the depth, and the breadth of a few things, not in the flirting and flitting with the many. And lastly, bit of a warning. Don't misapply moderation in trying to live a life of moderation. 
All this talk about avoiding extremes can also be an extreme to avoid. There may be times that we use the idea of all things in moderation to suppress a very bold step we are being asked or required to take. David Weatherall says, I worry that many Christians have subconsciously taken this to heart and live in agreement with the statement, moderation is best in all things, letting the idea of staying in the middle become as formational to our identity as our devotion to Christ himself. From Christ's sacrifice for us to our call to resist sin to the point of bloodshed, God's response to sin, and subsequently what ours should be, is anything but moderate. The paradox is that the better life is a life lived in moderation, not in excess. We are most fulfilled when we fill up on a few things. When we are intentional about deeply nurturing those key soul-satisfying, world-changing characteristics, behaviors, and interests. That is a life lived in moderation. Read about this. Listen to it again, too, at the website, wisdomandallthings.com. You'll also get the rest of Benjamin Franklin's 13 Virtues and so much more on wisdom in all things, mind, body, and soul. Stop by wisdomandallthings.com.